Feel that? Woo! Jesus is alive. And our prayer this day is that every single person in this place knows the power of the resurrection. Has anybody been changed by the power of the resurrection? Yeah, our lives are transformed because Jesus died for us and rose again. Today we celebrate that. So let's pray. Father, right now, we have gathered together to sing of the resurrection of our Lord, to revel in the glory of the name of Jesus, our Savior, to remember that his blood on the cross, his death for us in our place, washes away our sin, to remember that the power of his resurrection brings us back to life, to know deep in our soul that there is no one too far gone, no one too far away, no life too big of a mess, no person too broken, no pile of wounds too big, but that the resurrection can bring redemption and restoration to the very soul of each and every person. So today, Father, we declare Jesus is alive. And because he is alive, we can live. And I pray that every single one of us today hear that and understand that, that you would reveal to us deeper, more powerful truth about the resurrection of Jesus. For those who are here today, don't know where they stand with you. Maybe they feel like things are all twisted up in their journey. Maybe they don't know how to answer some questions that they have. Today, Father, I pray that your spirit would be poured out and speak to them, that they would be invited into the power of the resurrection, that their chains would be gone and their debt would be paid they would come to know and meet the Savior of their souls and to give their life to Him and find life in Him. And for your people today, Father, pour out your power among us. Draw us into your heart for your purpose in this world. We pray for nothing less than the work of your Spirit in us as we celebrate and as we open our hearts up to your work on this resurrection morning for what you have for us. So we give you these moments in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Have a seat this morning. And I would like to welcome all of you to our celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us this morning for that. Uh, it is a privilege to be together, and it is a privilege to celebrate that together. And for those of you who are visiting and you're like, man, these people stand a lot, they sing a lot, we apologize, but we kind of don't. You know what I mean? Like, it just gets in us, and we just got to, like, push it out. So uh, I'm thankful that you are here to bear witness. I'm really glad, especially if this is your uh, first time or one of your first times with us, I am so glad that you're here. Please trust me that we believe it is an honor that you have come this day. And we would like to honor you. We would like to do whatever we can to serve you, to bless you. So uh, if you have not yet, uh, please check in at our guest center back here uh, as you leave. It's just through these doors. We have a gift for you. You can check in on your Sunday post as well. Uh, there's just a QR code there. You can let us know. But stop in anyway at the, at the guest center so that we can give you that gift and so that we can just personally interact with you for a minute. Just to, It's always nice to have a face 
uh, to, to put with a name and to get to know a little bit about you and your story and what brought you here today. So we would love to do that. Also, today we are really glad that we get to celebrate in all of these different ways, lots and lots of different ways. We're glad that we have the photo op outside and all the music and everybody looks so wonderful and hopefully you get a picture of that so you remember how you look when you're dressed up and all that kind of jazz. Um, one thing I'm going to deputize all of you for, you're going to help us clean up the donuts and the way that you're going to help us do that is by taking them. Okay, there are no leftovers here. So please, now everybody's had a shot, right? Now I don't want anybody like elbowing or punching or anything, like that, but make sure that there's nothing left when you leave. Make sure there's nothing left there. Take some in a napkin, take them home, share them with other people or don't, you know, we won't judge, whatever you got to do. Uh, but do that for us so that that will be our cleanup crew today. All right, we're going to Matthew chapter 12 this morning on this Easter Sunday morning. We talked about Friday night as we had just a powerful time together in the presence of God, reflecting on the crucifixion of our Lord. We said we would finish the story today, and boy, didn't we? Didn't we just do that in an incredible, amazing way? Normally on Easter Sunday... We would go to Matthew 28 or John 20 or, or one of the passages in the Gospels about the resurrection morning, and that would be normal and everything, but I am not normal, so some reason we're not going to do that, uh, but we're going to do something else this morning, and uh, I think that it's something that God has on my heart for us as believers especially, uh, but for those of you who maybe don't know where you stand with the Lord, it's for you too. So let's dig into the Word of God today, and uh, we're going to go to Matthew 12 in just a minute, but I just want to start off by asking... Uh, how many of you play video games? Anybody here a video video game player? Okay, there's a few. Okay, some of you are like, yes, in my heart I would lift my hand, but I don't want anybody to know. It's okay. It's it's fine. It's fine. We don't care. It's fine. Uh, I do not play many video games nowadays, but when I was a teen, I I played more. And when I, I was youth pastor for 12 years, and during that time it was part of the job description to play video games, right? Like it was suffering for Jesus. You know what I mean? Like you got to, right? So I remember this one night, we had an all-nighter with our youth group, and we had about, I would say, 20, 25 senior high guys. We all went to this house, one of the youth workers' houses, and, and we were there, and we ate health food all night. No, we, we did not. We ate as much junk food as we could pack into our mouths uh, all night long, and uh, we caught up on who was asking who to prom and who liked who and, and all that kind of jazz, and then we, we went out and played midnight football at a local school. Uh, until the police showed up and told us we weren't allowed to. Uh, and then we went back to the house. It was about, I don't know, about 1.32 a.m., and we started playing this game. And we played it on PlayStation. And I don't, there's no number after this. It was just PlayStation. It was the, it was the PlayStation. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, they used to not number those because that's the only one they had. So we played this game. It was called um, Street Fighter. We played this game called Street Fighter. And it's a battle against two people. And we started by like, challenging each other and playing against each other. And then somewhere along the way, we got tired of that. And we decided that we were going to pool our collective abilities and talents. And we were going to defeat this game. Right? So what we did is every person, when I guess you had like three lives. And you could get killed three times. So every person, when you got killed three times, you had to pass the controller to the next person. And we were going to around and around and around. And the great thing is we had like a memory card. I don't know if you remember this, but there used to be a thing called a memory card. And if you didn't have it, when you got killed, you had to start over, which is terrible. But when you did have it, you could start where you died. But you had new lives. You had three new lives, which is awesome. So we did that all night long. We played uh, from about 2 a.m. till about 5.30 in the morning. 
one after the other after the other, trying to defeat this game. And we got to the, the final boss, the final de- the, the villain that we were supposed to defeat, and all of us took a turn. Everybody who was still awake took a turn, and we went around like three times. Nobody could beat this, this boss. And that laid the groundwork for probably my best moment as a youth pastor when I was the one to defeat the game. And all of the teens celebrated with me at 5.30 in the morning, lifting me up onto their... No, they didn't. (laughs) But I got all kinds of respect. I got, Pastor Mark, because my strategy was there are like 12 buttons here. I'm just going to push all of them as fast as I can. That was my strategy. And they were like, oh, Pastor Mark, you're so dumb. Why would you do that? That was the only strategy I had, right? And so in my great skill, what actually happened is I accidentally pushed him off the edge of the fighting surface and killed him. So it wasn't even a great victory. It was just like, I don't know how I did that, but yes, me, right? We were all passionately involved with staying alive, with using every bit of the lives that we had to make as much progress as possible. We were invested in a fake life right? And as I thought about today, I thought about that contrast, about how people can get really invested in staying alive or using a life on a video game for everything it's worth, but really not spending much time, energy, or attention on the life, the eternal life we've been given in Jesus Christ. As though one thing is much greater and the other isn't worth much when it's really entirely the opposite. Well, maybe you're here and you're like, I'm not a video game player, so that doesn't apply to me. But listen, don't we do that with this life too? Don't we sometimes act like this life is where it's at and this life is what it's about and and this life is so small in comparison to the eternal life we've been given? We get all wrapped up in stuff that's going to go like that. How many times do you need to hear that life is just a blink, that life is just quick and suddenly it goes by? before we recognize that this life can't be where our hope is. But believers, we've been given hope. Today we get together to celebrate the death and resurrection of our Lord because we believe in that, that Jesus is life for us. That death has been defeated. That there is no such thing as a hopeless cause. That there is no one who is too far gone, whose life is too broken to be beyond the reach of God's grace. Don't we believe that? There is power in that, and it means this. As I walk along through this life, and I make a mess again and again of the things that I try to do, I am never out of reach of God's grace. If death could not hold my Savior, then nothing can hold back His work in my life, right? The power of the resurrection is for restoration, renewal, revival. That is the life that we've been given We come alive in Jesus Christ. And I think for some of us, today is a day we've celebrated that, we've lifted up our voices, we've honored the Lamb who is worthy. But I would like us to walk out of here living in the life we've been given. Believer, you have been raised to life. And I wonder if that that is the word that would describe your day-by-day experience. Man, I am alive. Not only have we been given life, we've been given a message of life. 
a message of life that invites everyone, even the most lost and hopeless among us, to come, to be set free, to find that your shame does not define you, to find that your wounds are not the end of you, to find that there is power for God and love from Him for your life, that you matter to Him and that He invites you in. We have been given life and we have been given a message of life. So Jesus originally came with that message of life. And surprisingly, when Jesus came, there were people who did not want to hear it. They wanted to silence it, which is the reason the cross happened. They wanted to silence this message of life, which seems bizarre. For you and I, we can't hardly understand why someone would come and say, listen, your relationship with your creator is broken and your soul is shattered and you can't make it right on your own no matter how hard you try, no matter how far you run. So I've come to set it right for you. And people are like, no thanks. That's so bizarre to us. But here's the fact. We all like to believe that we can find hope how we want to find hope. You live it out every day. Even if you're a believer, you live it out every day. Jesus is your life, but do you go to Jesus for life or do you go to something else? What do you do to, to feel like you are renewed and restored? Do you, is Jesus your hope? See, we do that all the time. So Jesus comes and he says, I'm going to give you life. And they're like, no, thank you, Jesus. We'll decide how we find life. We'll, we'll go the way we prefer to go. There's lots of ways that lead to hope. We'll do the ones that make sense to us. And so when we say, no, Jesus is the way to hope, there's pushback. And that's what happened with these religious leaders that Jesus is talking to in Matthew chapter 12. They did not like, they wanted hope to come from the way they thought it should come and the way that they were comfortable with. And so they come to Jesus and they challenge him. It says this, then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, teacher, we want to see a sign from you. They're like, all right, your life, prove it. You say your hope, prove it. You say you're from God, prove it. Give us a sign. Show us some way that we can know supernaturally that you are from God. Verse 39, he answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus says to them, I'm not going to give you a sign except this sign. So we're going to look at that today. There's a lot of stuff just in that short interaction that we could pull apart that's, that's really incredible. One of the things is people who don't know God, people who are far from God, often demand that God give them more clarity than God has given. They want a sign on demand. These people are like, no, give us a sign on demand. And what do you think would have happened if Jesus had given them that sign? They would have been like, oh, okay, that's enough. No, they weren't after that's enough. They were after disproving Jesus. So Jesus says, listen, I'm, gonna give you, I'm not going to give you any more sign because when you come with that heart, when you come with the demand that God prove himself to you, you're not coming to God. You're trying to be God. When you demand that God makes sense to you, you're not really ready to come to a God who's in charge, a God who is transcendent, a God who is above. You're coming and saying, no, my experience, my understanding, that will be what sorts out what's right and wrong. Even though God says, I've given you enough signs. So that's one thing. The other thing we can learn from that is that we got Jonah here, and he says, the, the correlation between Jonah and me is this. Jonah was in the belly of a great fish for three days and three nights. I'm going to be in the heart of an earth. It seems like Jesus believes that this is, or talks about this like it's a real story. So we have reason to believe that it's 
miraculously true, more than just a moral tale. But Jesus used the correlation to say, just like Jonah was in the, was in the belly of the fish three days, I'm going to be in the heart of the earth, that is, the grave, for three days and three nights. That's your sign. He says, that's your sign. Now, don't miss this. This is pretty cool. Jesus says to them, here is the sign I'm going to give you that I am from God, that I am life, that I am the one that was sent to redeem. Here's the sign. I'm going to be in the earth for three days and three nights. Why is he in the earth? Because they rejected him. So here's what happens. In order for them to get this sign, they have to walk to the place where it seems like they've gone so far they can't come back from there. They fully rejected him, and Jesus says, and then what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a sign that shows you I am who I say I am. I'm going to raise from the grave. Some of you have walked away from God. You've pushed him away for a long time. You've pushed and pushed, and you think that you finally have him far enough away that you don't have to deal with him anymore. And it breaks your heart a little bit because you're like, I don't know what to do if God's not with me. I don't know how to deal with that. But I also don't know how to deal if he is with me. But then God comes after you again, doesn't he? Because God is pursuing you. One of the reasons you're here today, I believe this with all my heart, is because God is still pursuing you, still inviting you into a relationship with him. And just like these Jews had rejected him and rejected him and fully rejected him and put him on a cross, and Jesus says, that's when I'm going to give you another sign, another chance to change your mind. It is never too late to respond to the invitation of Jesus. So that's, there's a lot of connections, but that's not the one I want to focus on this morning. I want to go because I think there's a connection between Jonah the prophet and these people that are coming at Jesus. And let's see what we can learn. So we're going to go back to the book of Jonah that Jesus uses to say, that's going to explain Easter to you. That's going to help you understand Easter. So let's go back to it. It's only four chapters, but we're not going to read all of it. We'll just take some excerpts of it. Maybe it's a story you read once upon a time or even heard once upon a time. It's been a while. So we'll actually just read some of the things from the book of Jonah and get us a little sense of what Jesus is talking about here. See what we can learn from this. So Jonah chapter 1, verse 1 says this, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So we have this prophet, Jonah, and God comes to him and says, I have a message. It seems like a message of death. Turns out it's really a message of life. But it's a message that he wants Jonah to give to this city of Nineveh. Jonah is one of God's prophets. We know a little bit about him, not a ton. We know a little bit. But we know he's, he's part of God's people. He's part of God's kingdom. He's included in God's purpose as a prophet. So he's in. He knows he's in with God. But what it turns out is that even though he has been invited in with God, even though he didn't deserve to be invited in with God, when Jonah thinks about other people, there are other people that Jonah says, I don't want them invited in. I want them to stay on the outside. God says, I need you to step up into this calling, and Jonah steps back and runs away from it. There's a lot of things in our life where God invites you to step up into your calling, and you're scared, or you have your own agenda, and you step back and you step away. 
This is very much in parallel with those asking Jesus for a sign. Jonah didn't want to go to people that he didn't want to be included in God's grace. And in Jesus' time, the people who were asking Jesus that question, you know why they really didn't like Jesus? Because he kept including people they thought should be left out. He kept eating with people and they were like, why would you eat with them? He kept talking to people and they're like, you shouldn't talk to that person. He let people touch them and they're like, do you know who's touching you? And Jesus would say to them, I didn't come for the righteous, I came for the sinners. The sick don't need a doctor, or the healthy don't need a doctor, just the sick do. He would say things that would infuriate them because he kept including people that they wished he wouldn't. They think, you know, could you just make them clean up first, please? Could you just get them to, to act right? Could you just get them to think right? Could you just get them to get their heads on straight before you invite them in? Not recognizing that that's not how the grace of God works. God had a message for Jonah to share, one that reflected his heart of grace and his invitation for all to come and live. And instead of stepping up in faith, he runs away. And we find out that he does it intentionally because he wants to stop Nineveh from being included in God's grace. And from that, here's one of the things I want to say this morning, people of God, and those of you who don't know the Lord, God's people often mess up God's message often get in the way of what God has to say to this world. Don't we? Sometimes we do it on purpose. A lot of times we don't even realize it. We think we're on the right track and we're not on the right track. We don't remember God's grace. We lose our grip on it. We think somehow we deserve it more than other people or whatever. We speak to others like we're talking for God, but we're really just talking for ourselves. We use God's word, not because we want to know what God has to say, but we want to show people that we're right, right? We do this online a lot. I'm I'm not really surrendered and submitted to God. I just want you to know God's on my side. It doesn't work like that. This is how we, as the people of God, mess up the message of God. And when we do, it hurts people. People that Jesus died for get hurt because we mess up the message. And I'm not saying we shouldn't mess up the message. We're going to. We're going to. But it should matter to us when we do. Some of us, we've been living in this ground. We've been living in this land. We've hurt people. We haven't reflected the Father's heart to them. We haven't even shared the real message to them of hope. Because good news, the gospel, the word gospel means good news, and the four stories of Jesus are called the gospels, the good news. But when we share with people, it doesn't sound like much good news. It should sound like good news. We need to get this dealt with. We need to let the Spirit of God search us. We need to see it and start confronting it. On the other side of that, there are many of us here that have been hurt by God's people messing up God's message. You probably have heard people speak to you, telling you that they're speaking for God or you assume they're speaking for God. And when they do and when they, they mess it up and it hurts you, the instinct in us as people is to walk away from faith, to walk away from God. I get it. I've been hurt too. I understand. But let me just, can I just say this on behalf of us as believers? If that's you, if you've been hurt by somebody who messed up God's message, I want to apologize to you. 
I want to say I'm sorry for that because I know we mess it up. But the problem is this. You lose out when we mess it up. What we're trying to do in sharing Jesus with you is trying to share this amazing, powerful truth of repentance, of, 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 of life that comes from renewal. But you, I understand, can feel terribly wounded as we do that, and sometimes we do it clunky. People who think they're on message, but they've veered far off that message. What I want you to understand is that God's people are not Him. And I could, if we could perfectly reflect our Father to you, it would invite you to a healing that you can't believe. It would invite you to a relationship that would fill you up and, and move you to the depths of your soul. So I'm going to invite you to believe, to have a little bit of faith, to have a little bit of courage and say this. If God's people have hurt you by using what they say is God's message, but it's really not God's message, maybe just seek the Lord today. Maybe just come to know Him today. Maybe let the Spirit of God separate and sort out what's His and what isn't His. Because I promise you, coming to know God is coming to know that there is nothing too broken that He won't fix it. No scars too deep that they will not be restored. There is no mess that you've made that He will not wash clean. There is no shame that you carry that He will not take. There is no person too hopeless that God will not save you. And some of you believers, it goes for you too. Once upon a time you trusted Christ, you followed Him, and then you turned your back and walked away. It's time to come home. It's time to come back where life is and hope is. And stop using the excuse that the enemy keeps turning the volume up. Yeah, but those people did that, and God's people did this, and that church said that, and I heard this, and I can't stand Christians who say that. Yeah, that's all noise from the enemy to keep you away from the only place that there is hope in life, in Jesus Christ. So come back. Come home. Easter is the celebration of this incredible love, this love that you will find that where God, the creator that made you, loves you more than you can imagine. And Easter is the ultimate reflection of that, that he would die in your place to save you and give you the gift of life. Now, the story of Jonah goes on. We just read the first three verses. The story of Jonah goes on from there. And it is a story that reflects what many of our experience tells us. We could write a book on this. When I run away from God, it doesn't go well for me. That's the title of my story, right? Like if you're going to write an autobiography, running away from God isn't a good idea, right? Isn't that the title of your book? Every time we run away, every time we say no, every time we decide that we're going to override God's misconception, that was a good thought, God, but misguided, I'm going to fix it for you. No way Nineveh should be included. Let's leave them out, make sure that they face judgment. Let's go this way. Every time we run from God, we face destruction. We face death. We need to remember that God gave us life so we could live, but only as we follow and walk by faith. Jonah brings death on himself because he refuses to live in the life God calls him to. So instead of walking in faith, trusting God, he tries to run his life. And so the end of chapter 1, it says this, now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days, three nights. I don't know if you can 
Imagine an experience like that. It's actually, there are some more recent experiences similar to that that have happened that have been news reported and all that kind of stuff, but I can't imagine what it is like to be thrown off a boat and swallowed by a fish. So there's death. There's this picture of death. He's removed from the land of the living. He's down. He's, he's unseen. He's below the earth, so to speak, by being in the ocean in this, in this belly of the fish. Every time we run from God, it brings death. But then the end of chapter 2, verse 10, and the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Here's what I'm going to tell you, believers. Here's what I'm going to tell you, those of you who don't know where you stand with God. Where you think you're going when you run away from God is not where you're going to get. He thinks he's going to Tarshish. Does he ever get there? No, he winds up in the belly of a fish. And then he winds up puked out by a, by a fish onto the ground. Like, this was not the plan, right? And how many times have you felt like you were just pushing life up a hill and you just couldn't get to the top? You just kept pushing and pushing and everything's a struggle and everything's hard and everything's heavy and everything goes wrong all the time and everything's dark and you've never connected it to the fact that you've pushed away the author of life. You've stopped trusting him, you've stopped following him or you've never started it and all the weight of life is on your shoulders instead of his. When you run from God, you won't get where you think you're going and you won't like where you get. And I think if our book was running from God is a bad idea, we could have chapter after chapter of you're not going to get where you want to go and where you do get, you're not going to like. So can I just say to us today, let's not be Jonah and try to override God where we think he's wrong. Let's just come as believers, believing that life is found in Him, that there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Let's come to Him by faith and humility and let Him show us the way in everything. In everything. Let Him show us the way in how we talk to people and what comes out of our mouth. Let Him show us the way in what we do with our money and, and how, what, what position and place money has in our life. Let Him show us the way in what it means to be married. Let Him show us the way in what it means to be single. Let Him show us the way in what it means to parent. Let Him show us the way in what it means to struggle with infertility. Let Him show us the way in sexuality and morality. Let Him show us the way in what it means to carry wounds and burdens and, and wrongs done against us. Let Him show us the way when we have a struggle with anger. And how, like, let Him show us the way. Instead of us coming to God and saying, God, would you bend the world to me? How about if we say, God, would you bend me to you? Right? This is where life, Christians, if we believe this is where life is, then we need Him to lead us. And we need to learn the lesson of Jonah that running away from God just brings death and destruction. There is no hope down that path. But aren't you glad God is the God of a second chance? So yeah, you've messed it up and messed it up and messed it up. And sometimes you messed it up by mistake. And other times you messed it up because you wanted to mess it up. Right? Jonah gets another chance. Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. It says this, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. So here we've got Jonah showing up at a city. Here we've got Jonah with another chance. 
And he steps in and he does what God, he did, delivers the message that God gives him to deliver. And so we've got Jonah in three days down in, under the earth and he comes back and the power of God is unleashed for the salvation of people. And we've got Jesus off the cross down in the, the earth for three days and he comes out in the resurrection and the power of God is unleashed for salvation for people. This is the sign that Jesus says he gives. So this city, if you ever looked at what Nineveh was like, a city full of violence, unbelievable violence, selfishness, immorality beyond the telling. And when this group of people who are not God's people hear that the God of the universe is going to bring judgment on them instead of laughing it off or just pushing them away and, 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 and saying, we're not going to listen to it, what do they do? They fall to their knees and they say, Lord, have mercy on us. We will turn, we will turn, and countless people are saved through the response to this message that came from a prophet who was buried in the earth for three days and came back to the land of the living. But this is where the stories really diverge. Because Jonah gets a new chance, what does he do with the new chance? Well, chapter 4, verses 1 to 3, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Now, Jonah changed what he did. He stopped running from God and he went and delivered the message. But he didn't change. So as Nineveh repents, it is astounding that someone who went into a fish for three days and came back out alive, you would think you would reevaluate your life a little bit, right? That he's exactly the same as when he went in. Jonah thought, and he held on to this idea that some people didn't deserve God's grace like he did. They were too dirty, they were too wrong, they were too distasteful. He thought he was better than them because of his race, because of his national identity, because of his religion, because of his background, because of how he lived his life. He thought he was better than them and therefore more eligible for God's grace. And in thinking that and holding on to that, he absolutely destroyed God's grace in his soul. Today, I don't think it's a far stretch to say that we have so many ways that we think people are less than us, that we wish God wouldn't include them, or we have kind of declared that God can't include them until they clean up, until they get fixed, until they think right, until they talk right, until they act right, until they vote right, until they, they believe right, until they, they say the right opinions, until they listen to the right people, until they read the right books, until they fix the right problems. But that is not how God's grace works. It is after we come to Christ that God works on us. And as we keep coming to Him, He works on us because it is His grace. It isn't us measuring up. It is God working in us. God's grace is for the broken, the lost, the miserable, the can't-do-its, the never-tried-its, the people who always make a mess, the people who are abject failures. God's grace is for them. And that's me. And that's you in the eyes of God. Today, I would like to invite us to come back to the heart of our Father 
So I have two invitations for us this morning. The first is for anyone, everyone here, who has not experienced the forgiveness and new life that Easter brings, that Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection offers to you. I want to say to you, Jesus wants you to be set free. Jesus wants you to know what it's like to be alive in your soul and to have the hope of eternal life. For death to not be the end, to not be the devastating end, but just a a step from the brokenness of this life into the eternal healing of forever. Jesus wants to invite you in. He wants you to know you are personally invited to belong, to come in, to receive, that He died for you. He died for everybody, but he died for you. His death on the cross was, wash, was offered to wash you clean and make you his child. The Apostle John says it like this in John 1.12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name. So today before we even get out of our seats. If you don't know this, if you have not received this life, you can do it right there. And if you want, after the service, come talk to me. I'll be glad. There's a lot of people I could point you to to pray with you. I'd be glad to pray with you. Talk to the person who invited you. We would love for you to know the salvation that Jesus died to offer you. Take care of that today. If you've kept kicking that down the road, this is the end of the road. Today is the day to say yes. My second invitation is to those who already have given their lives to Jesus. Could we stop trying to override God where we think he's wrong? Could we stop being so numb and cold to the heart of our Father for people? People that are on your nerves this week, let the Spirit of God say, when you're like, man, I've had enough of them, I wish they would just go away, I wish you never had to see them again, could you just think this? Jesus died for them. Jesus wants them in. I don't know if he's going to use you or not for that. But could you let God adjust your heart? When you read a comment online that you're like, I can't believe that person, they get on my nerves so bad, could you just think Jesus died for them to give them life? And let God bring his heart into yours. Because we're not supposed to take the life we've been given and use it for ourselves. We're not supposed to just live however we want. We're supposed to live in the grace we've been given. And we're supposed to share that grace with others. We've been given life and we've been given a message of life. And so let's live for the one who died for us and rose again. Paul says it like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 14, verses, or chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. For Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Believers, that's our call. We should live for the one who died for us and was raised again. Let's put these things before the Lord in prayer. We'll close our service. Let's pray. Father, this morning we give you these things. I ask you that for each person here that needs to cross that line of faith with you, that needs to come and give their lives to you and find healing and hope and life in your name, that right now you would give them words, you would give them thoughts, you would would invite them to come to you by faith and give you their lives. 
Let you wash them clean and make them new. Father, for us as believers, we have so often lived outside of the grace we've been given. We have so often run away from you and the things you've invited us into. We've so often pushed you away instead of embracing you. Far too often we've thought that your way was less than desirable, was less than right, and we needed to correct it somehow to improve it. Father, I pray you would open our eyes to what we need to see in our own lives this day so we can respond by faith, so that we can nail to the cross what needs to go and we can be raised new in the life of Jesus. Father, do this work in us. Let us be people who live strongly and firmly in the love that we've received. Let us live in the life we've been given and let us share this message of life with the world around us, we pray in the name of Jesus. Thanks. Happy Easter, everybody.